Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. What is up, LifeGate? Good morning. How are we today, man? I am so great to see all of you excited about what God's doing in our church. Excited about this new series that we're starting today, and we're going to be going over just the next couple of weeks. It's called Me to We, and I'm just telling you, this is a new series, but it's really kind of a continuation of what God has already been doing in our church over this last six weeks or so. In fact, every single year, we just pray and we ask God to give us one word for the year, kind of a direction or a vision to kind of guide us and lead us through the year. And this year, our word is move. And so what we're doing is we're learning how to move towards God. In fact, over this last few weeks in this last series that we did, we learned that God wants to move us out of our past, that he wants to bring healing and freedom and hope in areas of our life, that there's some stuff that we just say, hey, we're leaving it back there as we're moving forward. We learned that God has a calling for our lives, that he wants to move us in to that calling that he has for us. Last week, we learned that God wants to move us onto a team, and we learned what it means to be a part of the team that God has called us to be a part of. And today, what we're going to do today and next week is really kind of continue in that thought, and the next move that we're going to be making is we're going to learn how to move from me to we. So everybody say, me to we. From me to we. How do we move from just a me-centered life to a we-centered life? And let's start today by just kind of have a little brutal honesty today, okay? In church, you just got to be honest. You can't tell a lie in church. So, so help me out. How many of you would say, you know what? I recognize that there is some selfishness in my life. Come on, raise your hand all over. Yeah, I mean, isn't it like true that sometimes we can be a little bit me-centered, maybe a little self-absorbed, maybe just a little bit kind of self-focused and selfish at times. And I really think this is kind of a big thing in our culture today. And I actually think that we see it even more today than it's always been there. But I think we kind of see it more today because of a little thing that was invented maybe about 10 years or so ago, a little thing called social media. Come on, right? How many would say we see some selfishness in social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, those kinds of things. And I think it's in all of us. I think we all do it sometimes. And it's even brought out even more because of these little things that we carry around with us everywhere that we go because we're constantly connected and we're constantly able to be on Facebook and check that and see what people are thinking and whatever. And so no matter what we're doing, we're like, we got to take a picture of it and post it on there. And then we even do these things. We, we call them even actually, we call them selfies, you know, and and so we take out the pic, the phone. We even have invented phones that have cameras on the front so that we can take a picture of ourselves and post it. And you don't just take one selfie. If you know what I'm talking about, you got to take like 10 of them because you got to get the lighting just right. You got to get the atmosphere just right. You got to get your chin just right so you don't see a double chin. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? You got to get that just right. And then you take several pictures. You might even put them through several apps on your phone, you know, to put all the filters and all the editing and make yourself look better than you really do, right? 
so that you can put it on, you know, Instagram or Facebook. And the whole reason to put it on there is so that you can get what? So you can get likes, right? So that you can feel important and feel the, the attention that you get from others. And now they've even invented this thing where it's not just like you can like a picture, but you can actually, if you hold it down a little bit, you can love a picture, right? And so you post your picture on Facebook and like, if somebody just likes it and doesn't love it, you're like, what's wrong with them? You know what I'm saying? And then if you don't get enough likes, you're kind of like, what's wrong with me? And and we're very self-centered, kind of self-absorbed. We don't like to admit it, but we kind of kind of are, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you don't, if you don't notice this in your own life, just do this. Next time you take a picture and it's more than just you in the picture, I think they call that an ussy. One time I called it a groupie and that was not the right word for it all. You from the seventies know that's not what that is, but, but an ussy and, and you get more than one person in the picture. Now, let me just ask you, when you see a picture that has more than one person and you're in the picture, a couple of things. First of all, who's the first person you look at? yourself. And how do you determine whether it's a good picture or not? (laughs) By whether you look good, right? (laughs) Like everybody else might look terrible. They're making funny faces, hair's messed up. Some people have their eyes closed, but if I look good in the picture, it's a good picture. (laughs) In fact, just recently, I just, I found this out in, uh, in our family, Amber and I went on a little date day and we actually got to do a little golfing together. You know, that's a good wife that will go golfing with you. And so went out golfing and, uh, you know, you just have to take, you know, the, the obligatory selfie of that so you can post it and everyone can see how cute of a couple we are. You know what I'm saying? And so we take the picture of us in our golf hats and in the golf cart and stuff. Of course, I don't take the picture. Amber has to do it because I can't figure out which button to push and how to all do that all stuff. But she's got, you know, she's got selfie skills. You know what I'm saying? So she takes a picture and she takes a couple of pictures. And so I thought it'd be so cute. We'll post this on Instagram. Everyone will see how, what, what a wonderful couple we are and how great she is to go golfing with me. And so I posted and I get home thinking, oh, I feel so good about that. And Amber says, why did you post that picture? <laughs> And I said, what? What's wrong with the picture? And she pulls it up and she says, look, my hair, it's all over the place. And I took a second one for that very reason. And you posted the one where my hair is messed up. And I said, I didn't even notice. I looked good in the picture. That's the only thing I saw. (laughs) Isn't that how we are? Like we are a very me-centered kind of a society and kind of a people. I think we kind of have this inside of us. And yet I believe that God has called us to not be focused on ourselves, but actually to move from a me idea to a we idea that God has created us for relationships, that God has created us to be a part of a family, to be a part of a community, to be a part of a team. And that's what I want to talk about over these next couple of weeks. How do we get on the team? How do we learn how to be a team? How do we move from me to we? And in order to do that, what I want us to do is look at this passage of scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter number. In fact, if you have your Bibles or your LifeGate app, you can follow along or you can just follow along on the screen today. It's a familiar passage, one that I've preached on many times throughout the years here at LifeGate. But today I want to look at it from a little bit different perspective. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 8, let's, let's read it together. It says, there was a man who was what? Who was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. 
For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business, verse 9. But two are better than one. I think he's trying to say, we is better than me. Two are better than one. And then he tells us why. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of you falls down, one can help the other up. But pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of what? Of three strands is not quickly broken. Here's a guy who's struggling with this idea of self-centeredness. He's struggling because his life has been all about the me. And here's where it ended up. He ended up being a person who was alone, a person who was self-absorbed, a person who was miserable and struggling to find meaning in this life until he has this discovery, this epiphany, this light bulb moment that he realizes that life is not meant to just be about me. Two are better than one. We is better than me. And I want to look at this for just a minute today. And I want us to see four reasons that we is better than me. I want us to look at the why behind the we. You see what I did there? That's pretty good, right? And I want you to see four things if you're taking notes. The first one is simply this, is that we is better than me because we has a greater potential. Everybody say potential. A greater potential. Look what he says in this, in this verse number nine. He says, that two are better than one. And then he tells us why. He says, because they have a good return for their work. What is Solomon saying? He's saying, hey, all by myself, there's only so much I can do. All by myself, like, there's only so much potential. But when I connect with other people, like when we come together, we can do infinitely more than I could ever do on my own. Many of you have discovered this before because if you've ever worked by yourself, but then you bring someone along to work with you, you realize that, hey, we get a lot more done. In fact, it's not just like we get double amount done. It actually multiplies what we can accomplish when we come together. There's a greater potential in the we than there ever is in the me. In fact, it reminds me of a story I heard about one time in one of those states where the people don't have very many teeth. You know what I'm talking about? There was, uh, there was this state fair, and in the state fair, some of you are laughing because you came from one of those states. I'm just, uh, oh, I didn't go there. In the state fair, they had this competition, and they would, the competition was to see how many pounds one of the horses could pull. And so they would take these strong horses and they would hitch up a wagon to the horse and then they would put a weight in there and do a competition. And at the end of the competition, they discovered that the horse that pulled the most actually pulled 9,000 pounds. Pretty incredible, the strength of these horses. And the horse that pulled the second most actually pulled 7,000 pounds. And so, man, it was pretty incredible. And so one day, Bubba decided, what if we hitched them up together? To see what they could do. And he expected that maybe, you know, if the, if the strongest horse pulled 9,000 and the second strongest pulled 7,000, that together they would be able to pull 16,000 pounds. But when they strapped them together and they began to pull together, what they discovered is that they didn't pull 16,000 pounds, but instead it was 35,000 pounds. 
And that's the power. That's the potential of the we, that by ourselves, we can only accomplish so much, but two are better than one. We is better than me because when we come together, there is a greater potential. It multiplies the potential of what we can do. In fact, this is the way God designed it from the very beginning of time. You go back and look at the, the book of Genesis and you see how, how God created Adam. You remember he, he formed him from the dust. And it's just as we sang this morning, he breathed his breath of life into Adam and Adam was alive and Adam had charge over all of the land and yet there was something that was missing something that wasn't quite right as Adam was just by himself and so the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that God looked at the earth and he said something's wrong that there's something missing it's not good for man to be alone What did he do? He said, man, there's a greater potential that is available here if I create for him a helper, a helpmate, that they would come together. And then notice what he says to them in Genesis chapter 1. It's so interesting that he says, this is what I want you to do. It says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and do what? Everybody say it. And multiply and fill the earth and govern it. Now, I don't want to get too PG-13 here or anything, but when he said be fruitful and multiply, how many know what he was talking about there, right? Like he was talking about, hey, come together, you know, like make the me into a we, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it was in that connection that there was actually a greater potential. We know they had children and they multiplied and they filled the earth. And here's what God knew, that there was a seed of potential inside of Adam that he would never be able to reach on his own. The only way he would be able to fill the earth and multiply would be when he came together in connection and in relationship with Eve. And here's the deal, guys. The same is true for every single one of us. There is a seed of potential inside of us, but you will never reach your full potential on your own. It only happens when we connect, when we come together, when we have relationship with one another. There is a multiplying effect that takes place in our lives. Me is, or we is greater than me because of the potential that happens in the we. This is why we challenge you. This is why we tell you. Last week I told you, hey, get involved in a life group. Get on a life team. This is why we say get connected somewhere. In fact, life groups start in just a couple of weeks. You can go by the life wall today and check out the different groups that are available. Next week we'll be adding some more groups to that, that everybody would get in a group because it's in that connection. It's in the we that we actually reach our full potential in God. Two are better than one. We is better than me because there is a greater potential in the we than in the me. Notice number two. Why is we better than me? Number two, because we has a greater purpose. Everybody say purpose. We has a greater purpose than me. Check it out. Look what he says in verse number eight. He says, there was a man who was all alone. He had neither a son nor a brother. And there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? For this too is what, everybody say this word, is meaningless. Here's a guy who obviously had great wealth. It says it right there. He obviously had a great job. He obviously had great success. He always obviously had something to work for. But in the end, he realized that, hey, there's something missing. 
like I'm working and I'm toiling and I'm striving. I'm maybe even seeing the fruit and the success of my work. But in the end, I look at my life and I realize there's not much purpose and not much meaning to it. And aren't there a lot of people who live like that? Maybe there are some of you that are in this room today and that's how you've been living. Man, you've been striving and toiling. Maybe you've even reached some levels of success. Maybe you have a good job. Maybe you have so, uh, maybe you have employees that work for you. Maybe you've made a pretty good amount of money. You live in a nice house and drive a nice car and have nice clothes and go on nice vacations. And you have all of these things that you would think would bring some sort of meaning to your life. But when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you wonder, there has to be more to it than just this. Maybe there is. Maybe you would realize today that it's not just about you. Maybe we would realize today that there is a purpose and there is a meaning that is greater than just me and greater than just the wealth that I can build or the success that I can find in life. And maybe that purpose doesn't come by living for myself, but maybe that purpose comes by living for the purposes of God and doing it connected with others. In fact, this is the way God created us. We talked about it last week in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Guess what? There is a work. There is a purpose that God has called you to live for. He created you for that purpose. But there are two words in that passage that, that make that passage different than the way many people live. And those two words are we and us. Notice he didn't say you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared you in advance to do. No, what did he say? He said, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared what? Prepared us to do. See, this is where our greatest purpose is found when we connect to the team, to the body of Christ. When I do my part and you do your part and we do this together, there is a meaning and a purpose that flows from that. In fact, Paul wrote it like this in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 5. He says, each of us finds our meaning and function how? As a part of the body of Christ. Where do we find purpose and meaning? Not on our own. We only find purpose and meaning in life when we are connected to the body of Christ. And this is, this is why I'm challenging you. Man, I told you last week, we're only a few weeks away from moving into our new worship facility. And isn't that so cool? We're going to move from this room to that room. And man, that's a big part of what this, the whole idea of move this year is really all about. And it's so exciting, but it's a little scary too. Because here's what I know. I know that when we move into that new building and we create space, I, I'm just praying and believing God's going to just send more people to be a part and be impacted by LifeGate. How many would pray that and believe that with me, right? But guess what? When more people come, you know what that means? That means we need more people to take care of those people that are coming, right? In fact, I told you last week, I, I estimate that we need about 100 new people to volunteer to serve in the church. Some of you say, man, really a hundred? Where are we going to get a hundred? I believe we have a hundred people or more. There are, there are more than a hundred people who are not serving somewhere here at LifeGate that need to step up and serve. And I'll just be real and just tell you, I need you. <laughs> I do. 
because I can't do all that stuff over there by myself. I get up and do my part, but guess what? I need you to do your part. I need you to be a greeter or an usher or a parking team uh, person, or I need you to be on the worship team or run the new sound equipment and the cameras and the lights and the stuff. I need you to serve in the nursery and in the life kids. I need you to do those things, and you could say, well, this is a very self-serving message series, Pastor. You're doing this so that because you need us to do those things, and yes, I need you to do those things. But I'll tell you more than that. I'll tell you this. Not only do I need you, you need us. In fact, really, as a pastor, here's my real heart. Sure, I need a bunch of you to sign up and to volunteer and to serve as we move into that new building. But you know what? You need to volunteer. Because that's where you're going to find your purpose. You need a place to serve. Because that's where you're going to find meaning in your life. When you do something that's beyond just you. Something that serves others. That's where we find greater purpose and meaning. Why is we better than me? Because there's a greater potential. Because there's a greater purpose. Notice number three. I like this one. Because we brings greater pleasure than me. Come on. Let's just be honest. We is more fun than just me. Like, it's more fun to be with other people. Now, I, I'm not going to lie and say I don't like to be alone sometimes. You know what? Sometimes being alone is fun. How many say being alone is fun, right? If you didn't raise your hand, you're obviously not a parent. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, sometimes it's just like, especially moms with toddlers, it's like, can I just go to the bathroom by myself? I mean, something, right? And, and that's, that's a reality. Sometimes it's nice to be alone. But, but guess what? It doesn't take long before alone becomes lonely. And, and here's, the, here's the good news about being a part of a family, being a part of a team, is that we can enjoy one another. Like there's relationship that we, can, that we can enjoy. In fact, this is what he says in this passage in verse 8, that he was all alone. He didn't have a brother or a sister, that this was meaningless. And then look what he says. He says it's miserable. It's a miserable business. Being lonely is miserable. But guess what? When we have friends, when we have people around us, Man, there's a joy and there's a, we can enjoy one. There's a pleasure that comes from that. In fact, this is one of our core values here at LifeGate. One of the core values is this idea of devotion. Now, that doesn't sound real fun until you say, well, here's what devotion is. Devotion means that we're doing whatever we do. We're doing it with all of our heart. And we have a little tagline that goes with that that says, work hard, play hard. That we're going to work hard. Like we have a serious pur- purpose that we are working for, but we're going to have fun while we're doing it. In fact, this is really at the core of really who we are at LifeGate. That yes, our, our purpose is serious, but while we're doing it, we're enjoying and having a good time doing it together. And some of you say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual, Pastor. I'll tell you, it's actually incredibly spiritual. In fact, it's actually a value you see all through the Bible. We see it in, Ecclesi- in the book of Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1. Look what, look what the author says. He says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die and a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. In case you were wondering when that time is, it's right after I say one of my cheesy jokes. <laughs> what does he say? He says, hey... There's time to have fun. We do this together. Like, 
This is what church ought to be like. It shouldn't be like I come in and everyone's solemn and quiet. It should be we come in and we love one another. We high five. We enjoy. We have relationships. We spend time together. We do life together. That's what we say around here. It's more than just a saying that we're doing this thing together. We got a serious purpose, but we're not serious people. We have fun doing it together. In fact, I love the way I love the way the scripture describes it in Zechariah chapter eight. Zechariah is describing this vision that he saw of what heaven would look like. And look what he says. He says, old men and old women will come back to Jerusalem and they'll sit on benches and on the streets and they'll spin tails and they'll move around safely with their canes. It'll be like a good city to grow old in. And the boys and girls will fill the public parks laughing and playing. It'll be like a good city to grow up in. Man, I love that vision of what heaven will be like. But you know what? I don't think that's just what heaven ought to be like. In fact, I believe that the church is a picture of heaven here on this earth. And when Zechariah is describing heaven, he's also describing what the body of Christ ought to be like. That people come together, you know, old geezers come together and they're sitting out on the porch, whittling up a little bit and telling a few stories about the good old days. Come on, right? That young men and young women come together and families are together and their kids are playing in the park. Maybe it would look like, maybe it look like in the church, a, a life group coming together. And when we come together, man, you got some olders and some youngers and some families that are there. And man, you just eat eating some good food and just having a little dessert, maybe sipping on a little iced tea and a little, little Dr. Pepper. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? A little Diet Coke for me. Come on, right? And, and we're just enjoying one another, and the kids are playing in the park, and maybe we're throwing a little horseshoes or doing a little cornhole or whatever that it is that we come together and enjoy relationship with one another. Maybe it looked like a, a team of people coming together to serve a purpose that's important in the church, but to have fun while you're doing it. Maybe it's a little goofing off, a little, you know, a little ribbon at times, a little, you know, this is, this is a, a real value that we've tried to build this culture in our church and in our church staff. You, you see our, our staff, we, we work together all the time and we like it <laughs> and we like each other. We, we like to have fun. I, mean, I was thinking about some of the fun things that we do. Some of them you just wouldn't understand. I tried to tell one of them in the first service, and they were like, what? You know, they didn't even understand it. But, man, we just have a good time together. Like, I, I think about, like, every year the, the youth group has this outreach they call Blitz, and one of the things they do is the Nerf Wars, and they set the whole auditorium up, and they stack it up and stack up the chairs and make these all these little places to hide behind and hit each other with, the, you know, the Nerf guns, and they got the lights strobing and all that kind of stuff. And the best day to work at LifeGate is the day after Nerf Wars at Blitz because we show up and it's all still set up and the, I'm telling you, the team just goes to town and the boys win every time. I'm telling you, we do. And why is that? This is my sermon. Let me preach it. See, we have fun, right? It's all right. And why is that? Why, do we, why can we laugh like that? Because we's better than me. We's better than me. Why? Because there's, because there's a greater potential. Why? Because there's a greater purpose. Why? Because there's just a greater pleasure that we enjoy one another. But then notice this, number four. We is better than me because we has a greater power. Everybody say power. Greater power. Look what it says in verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Man, there's a, there's a power and a strength 
that comes when we come together. Like we're stronger together than we could ever be on our own. When, when I'm on my own, guess what happens, man? I tend to get pulled apart. Stuff happens. Struggles come. Things happen in my life that tend to pull at me and begin to pull me apart. But when I have people that I can depend upon and people that, that I can call upon and people that I can go to and people that can pray for me and people that I know love me and I love them and I'm doing life with these people, then even when the struggles and the storms and the difficulties and the bad days of life come, they don't pull me me apart because I can lean on them. There's a greater power. In fact, it, it reminds me of Legos. Any, any parents in the house have uh, have little kids that, that like Legos? You know what I'm saying? I, I've got a three-year-old son, and so I, I just know that Legos are going to be in my future. They just are. You know, I have two teenage daughters as well. They had Barbies and all that kind of stuff, so I'm actually kind of pumped as a man. Urgh, you know, we got Legos and trucks and all that kind of stuff. And, and if, you, if you have any of these Legos, have you ever seen them? Like, these are kind of small. You can't see them very well, so just use your imagination. But it, you know that leg, Legos are powerful. If you've ever stepped on one, you know they're powerful, right? And yet, I think the greatest power of Legos comes from the connection that they have. When you put them together, when you connect them together. And here's the thing about Lego. Like, they have these little bumps that you connect them together with. And if you just connect one bump with one hole, it's not very strong. Like, I can easily just pull it apart. But if you connect a couple of the holes together and a couple of the bumps, I mean, it gets a little harder to pull apart until finally if you pull, put the whole thing together, like, it can be a little harder to pull apart, especially if you've got those little skinny ones and you're like, i got to put my fingernail in there to get it. You know what I'm saying? And I think this is the way a lot of us are with church and with the body of Christ were a little bit like Legos, and here's where a lot of people are, is they go, well, you know what, I went to church a couple of times, or, you know, I go like once a month, and here's what I've done, I got that one connection there to the body, but then when struggles come, and problems come, and difficulties come in my life, it's easy to to just pull me apart, because I'm only connected in that one way, I only went, you know, every once a while on a Sunday morning, but what happens if I say, you know what, I'm not just going to go like on Sunday mornings, but I every once in a while, but I'm going to make that a habit to make that in my life. And so I'm going to connect at a couple of different points where, hey, it gets a little bit harder to pull it apart. And then what if you say, hey, I'm not just going to go every once in a while on Sundays, and I'm not just going to go even every Sunday, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to connect in a life group, and I'm going to get people around me that love me and that can pray for me and that can hold me accountable, and I can love them and pray for them. And when I'm having a bad day, I can they can lift me up. And when they're having a bad day, then I can lift them up. I'm going to connect not just on Sundays and not just, you know, every Sunday, but I'm going to get in a life group, man. It gets a little harder to pull that apart. And what if you say, hey, you know what? I'm not just going to get in a life group. I'm not just going to be on Sundays, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to connect. I'm going to connect in a men's group or a ladies group and get some men around me who are facing some of the same struggles that I'm facing or get some ladies around me that are struggling with some of the same things that I'm struggling with. I'm going to connect there. Maybe you say, hey, I'm not just going to connect in that way, but I'm going to connect 
by getting in life track and I'm going to become a member of the church and I'm not just going to connect in one way or two ways or three ways. Boy, I'm going to connect and become, I'm going to commit myself to this body and be plugged in, not to just jump around from church to church, but to say, this is my church. This is my team. This is my family. And I'm going to connect not just on Sunday mornings and in a life group and a men's group or a ladies group or through life, tr- life track. I'm going to get on a team and I'm going to serve somewhere, somewhere. Guess what's going to happen when the struggles and the problems come and try to pull you apart? You're going to have so many connections that it's going to be hard to knock you down. It's going to be hard to pull you apart. It's going to be hard to keep you from what God wants you to do because we're doing it together. It ain't easy. Man, sometimes you connect a few people and they kind of, you know, they're kind of like the bumps in the road. Get on your, get on your nerves a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But there's a power, a strength that comes from saying, man, I'm just going to just connect in one way. I'm going to connect in every single way possible. And as we come together, two are better than one. There's a better return for their work. There's, there's a greater purpose that I'm living for than just for myself. There's, man, there's much more fun and greater pleasure that we can have together. I'm not lonely all the time because I got friends. I got a family. And when struggles come, man, I'm connected. And there's a strength and a power that comes from that. You say, well, pastor, that all sounds good, but how do we do that? Where does it start? I'll tell you where I think it starts. Just one simple question. And the simple question is, is basically just this. Who and what am I living for? In fact, that's, that's the question that really spurred this whole idea for the writer of Ecclesiastes. He says, I was all alone. I was toiling and I was struggling and I was by myself. But then I came to this realization, this epiphany. I asked myself this question in verse 8. For whom am I toiling? Why am I doing it? What am I doing it for? Who am I living for? What am I living for that's bigger and greater than just me? And it was in that question he discovered, man, it's not just about me. There is a greater purpose. There is a greater potential. There is a greater pleasure and a greater power when I connect to others. Some of you say, well, Pastor, what is that thing that I should be living for? I'll tell you. What I think it is, and you may think this is self-serving, but I, I don't think it is. I think it's actually scriptural, scriptural, and that is this, that it's the church. Oh, the church is not perfect. You know why? Because it's made of a lot of imperfect people. And there are times when you can connect to a church and get your feelings hurt and things can happen. But guess what? Even though it's not perfect, you know what it is? It's God's plan. It's his hope for this world. And if Jesus loved the church enough that even though it wasn't perfect, he died for it, shouldn't we love it enough to be able to say, I will do everything I can. I'll find my purpose in serving in God's family, in his body, in his house, in his church. And that's just what I'm challenging each one of you to do. I believe that we could all come together and make a difference. I Here's what I, what I, what I want to see. I want, I'd like to see everyone just take one step up, wherever you're at. You know, as we get ready to move into that new auditorium, you know, if, if people who are attenders would step up and 
be people who serve on a team somewhere, and people who are serving on a team would just step up and begin to lead. Guess what would happen as we step up? Guess that would, what that would leave? That would leave room for new people to become attenders and get plugged in and then move up. And if we all just moved up one step, imagine the impact. If all of us took a step forward, a step upward of moving together, imagine what God would do in our church. And that's why... Next week, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You don't have to wait till next week, but next week, we're going to have tables set up in the lobby, and I'm going to just challenge everybody to be a part of a team. And I, I just believe we're going to have more than 100 people who are just going to say, and some of you say, well, you know what? I like to go to church. I like to hear the sermons and whatever. Guess what? We have more than one service. You can serve one and attend one, and that way you can be involved. You can be a part of the team. And next week, here's what I'll do. If you sign up to serve somewhere, if you signed up last week or this week, or if you sign up next week, I'm going to give a free t-shirt to everybody who signs up. I'll bribe you if I have to, right? But you're not going to do it to get a free t-shirt. You're going to do it because this is what you need in your life. To bring meaning and purpose to say there's something that's bigger and greater than me to do for God's kingdom.